You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to renewlifechurch.com. All right, good morning. How's everybody doing? I know we do this all the time, but it's, I mean it every time. Can we give our worship team a round of applause? Thank you for what they do. I mean, I could do that if I wanted to, but I just choose to let them lead y'all in worship. But um, who believes that? Anybody? Smart people, smart people. Well, welcome. My name's Braden. If you're new here, my name's Braden. Uh, I'm the senior pastor of our churches, both here in Lubbock, or here in Midland and in Lubbock. Sometimes I forget which city I'm in, but uh, we're just honored to have you. And uh, Cody is—he um, has backslidden and is on vacation and not coming back. And in the mountains of Colorado, I think where he's at. He sent me a picture of him and a, another guy in our church fly fishing yesterday. So he's definitely suffering for Jesus. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm what you got today. Uh, I, I need to go ahead and apologize in advance if, if you're one of those super Christians that uh, remember the last time that I preached, you're like, oh, you're, gonna, you're probably gonna do part two of the message that you said you're gonna do part two of. I do this all the time. I take may, way more notes, write down way, many, way more notes than I'm supposed to. And then I'll do part of it. And I'll say, you know what? I'm gonna do a part two next time. And I never do. So in, in light of that, I'm not gonna do a part two of what I said I was gonna do. I've got a little spiritual ADD and I'm so far like somewhere else already. So uh, it just is what it is. But I do feel like uh, this was one of those things where I had intended uh, to maybe go towards a part two uh, of what we talked about some last time. But as soon as I began to kind of move towards this, felt very strongly. Uh, that the Lord gave me a direction for today and a word for today. So anyway, if you got your Bibles, turn to John chapter 15. And let me just let you know that today is, uh, the way I felt the Lord say this to me is, today was supposed to be a little bit more line upon line, a little bit more teachy. Uh, and so if it's, uh, if it's not as entertaining as you had hoped, um, I'm not sorry. Um, I'm, I think this is what we're supposed to do. So, um, so yeah, that's what it's gonna be like. John chapter 15. I'm gonna start reading here in verse one. It says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You're already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered and they gather them and throw them in the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit so you will be my disciples. I feel very strongly today to, to add this as well. I think oftentimes we come to church and there's a specific word that we're looking for and we're sitting there as the pastor begins to speak and we're like, oh, I hope you're preaching on this. I hope you're speaking on this. I hope this is the direction that you're going. And, and I don't know if this was the same for the sec second service as it was for the first, but I felt to say it again. But I just want you to know that uh, I am not the only teacher, so to speak, in the building. We are a church that believes that the Holy Spirit is here. 
And I promise you, he's a better teacher than I am anyway. And so if you will embrace him today, I believe that he's in the room. (laughs) He's in the room and he's thinking about you. He knows what you're thinking about. He cares for you more than you know. He has the answers to every question you could ever ask. He understands your confusion. He's not afraid of your confusion. He's not afraid of your doubt, your unbelief. None of those things scare him. Um, And if you came today shaken, with your faith shaken, uh, your faith misplaced, and you're just spinning, I just feel like I had the Lord say that some, some feel like you're spinning out of control. He's okay with that, and he's here. And um, I would not want to be a part of a church where the pastor thought he had all the answers or had all the, uh, all the juice. But uh, I am thankful that the Holy Spirit fills in all the gaps. Amen? Amen. So I believe he's got answers for you today. And if things go as planned, I will, that will be the last time I cry in this service. So um, verse 1, he just says it so, so plainly. And I think sometimes uh, we can overlook simple phrases and not give them the credit that they're due. And Jesus here in John, John chapter 15, he's sitting around his table of disciples. This is kind of the last supper. This is the last, this is the last chance he's gonna get uh, on this earth, at least before he's resurrected and speaks to him a few more times. But uh, before the death, burial and resurrection, this is the last time he's speaking to disciples. And so if you will, this is the last will and testament. These are the last words. You know how that goes. Those last words sometimes you pay extra attention to because it's someone saying, hey, don't forget this. Don't miss this. And so he's talking to his disciples here and he says very simply in, in John chapter 15, verse one, I am the vine, you, he, uh, he is the vine dresser. I am the vine, he is the vine dresser. He being the father. Um, this is a simple statement, but it's a powerful statement. It's one that you have to learn to live by. But the first point today is that Jesus is the source of all life. Jesus is the source of all life. In John chapter one, verse one, it says, in the beginning, and I'm reading from the Amplified Version, says, in the beginning before all time was the Word, Christ, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God himself. He was continually existing in the beginning, co-eternally with God. All things were made and came into existence through him. All things were made and came into existence through him, and without him, not even one thing was made that has come into being in him, in Jesus, was life and the power to bestow life and the life was the light of men. It is so important that we never forget that it all started with Jesus, it started with him, he's there in the middle, he'll be there at the end, everything came from Jesus. All good things in your life, they came from Jesus. They didn't come because of your good works, they didn't come because of your ambition, they didn't come because of your discipline, your worship, your education, your athleticism, your intellect, your your physical stature, your physical body, it didn't even come from your faith. Your faith did not create anything. 
All things were created through him and in him, even the faith that you've used. Faith is, faith is trust and trust triggers the release of something God created beforehand for you. So when you say I released faith and I, and I, and I manifested a, my, my environment, here's what you did. It already existed, it existed through Jesus and the faith that you even used to even get there. He gave you the seed of that faith. The Bible says he's given to each of us the measure of faith, so even your own faith faith, is you trusting in him, even your own faith started with the faith that he gave you, you can develop that faith, you can grow that faith into a trust, and that trust triggers the release of something Jesus started. If it's good in your life, it's God. If it's bad in your life, it's you. (laughs) Kind of an old preacher thing, but um, if it's good, you have to live in this place. If everything is because of Jesus, Everything is because of Jesus. When you live from this place, when you're aware of this, when you stay clothed with Christ, stay hidden in him, focus on him, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. When you live like this, you will constantly be grateful for what you have. When you live like this, it is impossible to get over into pride. When I, when I believe and trust that Jesus is the source of all things, he's the source of everything in your life, you cannot get over here into pride taking credit for something good in your life. You may have experienced something good in your life because you trusted Jesus and he provided something that he created. He created it and it was his faith to begin with. It's impossible to get out of gratitude. It's impossible not to be humble. And here's another one. It's impossible not to worship. There is no such thing as spiritually gifted worshipers. There are only those that are more aware of that it all has to do with Jesus. And the more focused I am on him, the more clear I am, the more aware I am that I can do all things only through Christ who gives me the strength, that awareness that he is the source of all things, it triggers worship, it triggers gratitude, it triggers humility. Years ago, I had a a guy tell me this. He's like, uh, uh, preacher man, um, I ain't really in, you're a a great Bible preacher, you're a great preacher, you're a great Bible teacher, but man, I I just ain't into that worship. I'm not really a worshiper. In fact, I don't even really need that worship. I just need that word. If you're one of those that struggles in that area, and by struggle, I mean you look around the room during worship and you don't, you're not, apparently not feeling some of the things that the ones wearing skinny jeans are feeling and you're not as, <laughs> it's always them, right? Um, but if, if, you're, if you're one of those that might have fallen into the trap and believed the lie that you're just not wired to worship, I propose to you that we were all wired to worship, but those who worship are more aware of who Jesus really is. And so you don't need to work on your worship, you need to work on your awareness of Jesus. And if you look at him and you look at him and you look at him and you give him credit for all the things that he is worthy of the credit of, which is everything, all of a sudden gratitude, humility, and worship is the product. I am not, I am actually not naturally some extrovert, uh, especially in the area of affection. My wife can tell you that. I have to work on 
uh, romance and some of those other things. It's not natural for me, but I can get in this environment. I can think on him. I can behold him. And all of a sudden I am transformed into something that I am not normally. And I'm, I'm confident that it can happen, happen to you as well. Uh, we, um, we, as you know, we take communion every Sunday. We tell you it's not something that's just a tradition or to us. Communion genuinely is one of the things, a strategy I believe that the Lord gave us to make sure that Jesus stays our focus. He stays our focus. And I, I'll be honest with you, I might need that more than anybody because I can get so focused on building and we're gonna do this and then we're going to this city and then yes, I, I, discipleship and I'm gonna, I'm gonna challenge this leader and I'm gonna, I'm gonna raise up this leader and I'm gonna recruit this new leader. And I, I can get so into those things that one of these, some days I'm spending more time doing things with my hands here instead of things with my hands here. And, and so communion is that for me. It's that constant reminder. And uh, if anybody that's been on our staff for very long, they know that, they've heard that. They, they know, don't mess with communion. I remember one time, even the budget, uh, we were looking at the budget and someone came to me and they said, do you realize how much money we're spending every single Sunday on, the, on those little cups? And I just kind of glared at them long enough to realize that they shouldn't be saying that. It's like, don't talk to me about that budget. You know, I didn't really do that, but... Uh, but I do, remember, I do remember one a time several years ago, we hired somebody new and we were in a staff meeting. And uh, if you don't know much, if you don't know kind of how our staff operates, here's how it doesn't operate. The staff does not exist to come into the meetings and hear all of my great wisdom and then figure out ways to execute my greatness. Uh, that's not how we roll around here. Uh, we have a lot of big people with big, uh, big ideas, big call on their life, anointing, and we, we know that the expression of who God really is, is not, will never happen through one person. And so in our meetings and our staff, people know like everyone's opinion matters. I don't care how young you are, how old you are, if you've only been here a week, if you've, not, if you've been here forever, I, that's not the point. The point is, is we, we empower our staff uh, pretty strongly. So it, it breeds this idea and, and it's really easy to pick up on early that in, in meetings, everyone opinions, every, every opinion matters and you can say whatever you want, you know. And I remember we were in this meeting and this particular person was, was talking about the service and how we could, make the, we could make the service go better and our service flow would go smoother if we would, just, we would just get rid of communion and move it to once a month. And literally as soon as they said that, like I felt like every head in the room just kind of turned and looked at me like, are you gonna kill him now? Are you gonna fire, are you firing him right now in front of everybody, you know? And uh, of course I didn't, but that, that's how important that is to me. I, I, and I think for you, you're gonna have to try to find ways to do that in your own life. Obviously, when you come to church on Sunday, when you, uh, when you take communion, don't just take communion, look at him. Look at him. And I would even encourage you, you know, we always lead you in communion. We'll, we'll have something to say, but I challenge you to start to have something to say yourself. Have something to say yourself where you're reminding yourself, Lord, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. I'd have nothing if it wasn't for you. And you are the source of my life. Please don't let me, let me ever forget that. I, uh, I've talked about this several times. Um, probably the most, not probably the most impactful uh, teaching message I've ever listened to is one done in 1999 in Sarasota, Florida by uh, Keith Moore. 
And if, you're, if you don't feed yourself uh, on a regular basis on podcasts and things like that, I would encourage you to go. It's morelife.org, M-O-O-R-E, morelife.org. And do the search in their little word supply. Look up that series on humility. I've, I gave it out to another person this last week. I constantly am giving it out to our staff. But in this, um, in this series on humility that I listen to every year all over again, uh, one of the things that he teaches on is what he calls the excuse me, the in you truths, in you truths, things that are true in you. And he said, in yourself, you know nothing. In yourself, you have nothing. In yourself, you can do nothing. How many of you guys feel the encouragement just oozing out of this, of this message? But what I love about that message is he doesn't leave it there. He reminds us in you, maybe those things are true, but in him, all those things are not true. Because in him, you know everything. In him, you have everything. In him, you can do everything. And I think that on a regular basis, we need to be reminded what Jesus was saying here to his disciples in John chapter 15, which is he is the vine. He is, he is the source of life. The second one is, is probably one of my favorite things to talk about. It's not as uh, easy to talk about sometimes, but he says, Jesus says, he is the, I am the vine, the father is the vine dresser, or you could say that the, the father is the gardener. I, I, I'm, for today's message, I'm gonna use a different word, the boss. He's the boss, just say that with me. He's the boss. We increasingly live in a world where nobody wants a boss. We, we, we live in a world where that language, that culture is seemingly evaporating, where uh, we don't think anybody should get to be the boss. We don't want the president to be the boss. We don't want elected officials to be the boss. We don't want the police to be the boss. Everything's up for debate. Teachers no longer in public school systems no longer have the authority. They can suggest things. They can't command anything. Uh, it's, it's crazy watching what's happening in our world. We live in a, we, we, even as believers, we could fall into this trap where even with our own kids, we don't understand this concept of, hey, as we're raising kids, we start off as the boss. We can become friend later, but we start off as the boss, as the leader, as the authority. And, and Jesus is making it clear in this particular scripture, I am the vine, I am the source of all life, I am eternal God and man at the same time right here talking to you, but don't get it twisted, I ain't the boss, he is. And I propose if he was Jesus's boss, he's good enough to be our boss. I'll say it a different way. When Jesus went to the cross, right before he went to the cross, he had fulfilled his assignment. He had fulfilled almost all of his calling. He was there at the last moment and he had a dialogue with his father. He had a dialogue with his friend at which he suggested, hey, is there another way we can do this? Is there another way that we can do this? Because I'm feeling the pressure, I'm feeling the heat, I'm anticipating the pain, I realize now what I have to go through. And yet with all of those things being true, he said, not my will, but yours be done, AKA, you're the boss. And every now and then we just have to remind ourselves, he's the boss, he's in charge. I, uh, the house that we lived in right before we moved to, uh, mid, uh, moved to Lubbock, the house we lived in here in Midland, uh, when we were, um, after it was built and we'd lived there for a while, I, um, I wanted 
I wanted our backyard to not look like Midland. Anybody else do things in your home to make it not look like Midland? Just anybody else? I was like, I just can't deal with this. <laughs> and so we got to come up with a strategy to escape Midland when I'm in my backyard and I wanted some green. I wanted something different. When we were growing up, we had, my mom had put up this little chain link fence thing. Uh, actually in our backyard, my dad had built us this playhouse. And I think she got tired of looking at our playhouse with all of our deer blinds and horns hanging off of it. And it just, it was a big old pile of junk at some point, uh, eventually. And so I don't think she actually wanted to see it anymore. So what she did is she took this, uh, she built a chain link fence and she planted honeysuckle all at the bottom of this chain link fence and that honeysuckle grew up in that chain link fence and I, I, I don't know what it was about that but every now and then you know how you have some things from your childhood it's like I just I want that to come with me like so there's a lot of stuff I don't want coming but that one's coming and for me that was honeysuckle and so I just I wanted honeysuckle so bad and I'm like I told him, I was like, I want honeysuckle. And I think if I build these, I wanted to build these, uh, took some hog panel and cut some strips and bent it and, and into these big arches. And I thought, you know, I'll build these big giant honeysuckle arches and they'll grow taller than even the, the, the trees are, or not the trees, but the fences. And it'll just, it'll just not feel like Midland. We'll get back here and it just won't feel like Midland. You know, it'll just escape and be our little spot. And um, when I, we, we built them, but when I remember when I planted the honeysuckle, Occasionally I had to go out there as we were planting this. And when a honeysuckle's young, it's, it's so flimsy. It has to have something to grab a hold of or it's not gonna, it, it, it doesn't do what it's supposed to do. And so I would go out there as it was starting to grow and I would take the honeysuckle vines and I would put it where I wanted it in the arch. And some days I'd go out there and it'd kind of get off track and I'd be like, no, nah, if, if it starts to grow this way, it won't fill out the arches the way that I designed them. And so uh, for several weeks, uh, months even, I would go out there and I would relocate those, those vines because every now and then they'd start growing in a different direction. And, and I had a design in my head, I had a plan in my head, I knew what I wanted it to look like. That is a picture of your heavenly father and the plan he has for your life. We're going through something and we call it political. It shouldn't be political uh, with the overturning of Roe versus Wade. And um, it, I, it's very alarming to me to watch the, the, the lack of vocalization from Christian leaders about how big of a deal this really is. I'll just be really honest with you. And so uh, it's bothered me that, wait a minute, all of a sudden, if we're gonna lose a few Instagram followers, if we don't actually celebrate this thing, we are willing to celebrate all the other things that are happening in our political climate. But this one thing's so hot button topic and I'm like, but it's, it's not that complicated. It's like, and, and so anyway, um, I'm, um, I kind of forgot where I was going to go with that. Um, oh, now I don't know where it's going. Je Jeremiah 1.5. Uh, one of the verses that's come to light is this Jeremiah 1.5, before you were forming your mother's womb, I knew you. Uh, he didn't just know you. In knowing you, he also, he also had a plan for you. He didn't just know you. He knew what he wanted you to turn out like. And in the future, he, he knew what he was going for. He knew the plan that he had for you. And so just like in that honeysuckle, I saw something in my mind's eye, but to get what I wanted, occasionally this vine would kind of start going, not in the direction that I had planned. I don't know if you know this, but every now and then in your life, there's some vines that show up in your life that don't start growing the direction they're supposed to be growing. Anybody know that? Anybody ever had that moment? You're like, yeah, I really don't know how I ended up over here. In fact, I swore I'd never end up back over here and here I am today. 
Um, when we see this scripture, Jesus is the vine, he is the vine dresser. It's, and it's, it's Jesus teaching us occasionally the gardener, the vine dresser, the boss may need to move some things around in our life. He may need to shift some things around in our life and he even go so far to say, and occasionally, he, he's, he's gonna see a branch that's actually doing a good job, it's growing, it's producing fruit, but for it to actually reach its, reach its full capacity, its full potential, that particular branch is going to meet, need to get a haircut. It's gonna need to be trimmed on a little bit. And again, I've, I, I can't, I don't think that plants, <laughs> I know plants don't have souls and I don't know if plants have feelings, but I can just imagine it probably doesn't feel good getting cut on. I don't know if you guys have ever been in a situation where you're like, man, I feel like I'm doing great and I'm still getting worked on. I'm still getting some things happen in my life. That means you're doing good. <laughs> if you're getting pruned, if, if, if God is pruning you, if God is challenging you, if God is moving some things in your life, it's not a sign that you're necessarily off track. It's God saying, hey, great job growing. Allow me to relocate the growth. Great job growing. Let me change some things let me shift some things around. Let me move some things around. Again, this seems super simple, but we have got to regularly live in that place where, Lord, there is literally nothing in my life that you can't touch. There's not one thing in my life that you can't touch. I'm, I'm kind of bouncing around here a little bit, but I... Um, because one of the things, because I, I actually don't think I'm gonna get to it, I didn't even get close to it in the first service, so I'm gonna like skip ahead and go there right now. Um, I, there's a, I, I wrote some notes in there of different ways God prunes. When we say that God is pruning people, how does he prune? And he prunes with his word, he prunes with spiritual family, he prunes with prophecy. And, and I've, I mean, I cannot talk to you enough about those things. I'm increasingly like shocked when I see people like not embracing those things. I, I, I cannot stress this enough. There's probably nothing more important in your life than a commitment to the word, a commitment to family, an embracing of the prophetic in your life. But one of the points that I made and I wanna make right now is that one of the ways that God prunes you is he, actually, he asks you to do interesting things that don't make sense. I didn't have good, I was trying to think of something clever. It, it did not come out clever. I was like, it's just interesting things. Odd things that don't seem to make sense. For God to ever be able to speak to you interestingly about things that don't make sense, it is imperative that you, you embrace a relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has things to say to you that are not in scripture. They are scriptural, but not in scripture. They are biblical, but there is no Bible verse. Do you hear what I'm saying? There is no Bible verse that tells you who to marry. There is no Bible verse to tell you whether you should put your kids in public school or private school. There is no Bible verse that tells you you're supposed to go to this church instead of that church. But can we just admit and, and, and acknowledge he probably has somebody he wants you to marry. He probably has a plan for your kids in terms of where they're supposed to go to school. He probably does have a church that you're supposed to be in. But if you're not engaged in, a, in an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit, you're gonna miss out on these opportunities to be pruned in interesting and unusual and odd ways. Here's one of the things that I have, I have learned recently. I was having a conversation with Keith this the other day and he's like, 
where are you getting this from? And I said, I promise you it's in there. I haven't found all of it, but I promise you it's in there. And, 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 and here's what I told him. I was, I was reminding, when Keith and I were dialoguing about something, I was reminded about Abraham and how one of the things that God told Abraham, he, he said, I need you to leave your country and leave your kindred and go to a land that you know not of. And what I was telling Keith, I see it in scripture. In fact, actually, I think I have this first. Guys, we're gonna skip way down there because I want you to see this in scripture. He, I, what I was telling Keith is, I believe that every single person at some point in their life is gonna be challenged in this area where God's gonna ask you to leave your family and even leave a geographical location. And he's not, it's, gonna be, it's gonna make no sense, especially if you have a good family. This is not just leaving bad family. There's, there's gonna be times the Lord's gonna relocate you. He's, he can relocate you from a different church. That's why I think, a little sidebar here, as pastors and church members and church leaders, we gotta get really good at allowing people the freedom to go to a different church. I bet 50, at least 50% of you in here in some way, shape or form have been wounded by the church because of a decision you made at one point to leave one and go to a different one. It's this weird thing. Now I get it. It's because when you're, it's like tearing a family apart. <laughs> it's what it feels like. And if it's an insecure pastor, he's like, oh, my message is not good enough for you. It's like, bro, chill out. <laughs> like we have to allow God to move people. And one of, the thing, one of the things that I was, Keith and I were talking about is like, I believe every person at some point in their life will, will be challenged with this. Will you leave your family for me? Will you disconnect from a, an influence in your life, whether that's a mom or a dad or a brother or a sister, this is a tough one too. I know a lot of parents that won't move on in life because they're still connected to their child. They, they, are, they won't even let that child grow up. They're still trying to be the mom and the dad and the Lord of that child. And they're, they're, the child's okay, <laughs> but it's mama ain't no good doing, doing so hot. It's daddy that ain't doing so hot. And I, and I believe this with all my heart and I'm showing you this in scripture. Sometimes the pruning that God wants to do, do in you is he wants to say, okay, will you trust me more than you trust family? And will you trust me that even though I've called you to family, I can take you out of this one and put you in another family, another spiritual family. Listen to this. Every spiritual family carries different spiritual DNA. And there is so much kingdom out there. I don't even pretend to think that our church represents all of it. I don't even pretend to. We're doing the best that we can. But here's what I, I, I told a guy this the other day. I love you, I like you, I wanna be your friend, but I don't think we're the right place for you. I, don't, I, don't, I think with where you're at in this season, I'm gonna call a couple of my friends that I think better represent what I think you need and I'm gonna put you there. If you, every single person will eventually have to pass the test of will you leave family? And here's another one, will you leave hometown? Will you leave the place that you're comfortable? Will you leave the place that you like? Will you sell the home of your dreams? What's, what's the point here? Is he boss? Is he gardener? Is he vine dresser? And if he chooses to relocate some branches, will you allow him to do that? 
He's trying to prune you. He's trying to shape you. We, we read this and we read that in about, well, we didn't read it. I told you the story about Abraham's life, but check this out. Keith sent this to me the other day. He goes, Dad Gummy, you were right. I was like, I know. <laughs> so humble. Matthew chapter 29, or 19, verse 29 in the ESV says, everyone who has left, notice this, anyone who's left houses, brothers, sisters, father or mother, children, or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. I want you to notice this, the distinction. It says you'll receive a hundredfold and eternal life. That means that hundredfold is not when you get to heaven. That hundredfold is here. You know what hundredfold represents? More fruit. Why would there be more fruit? Because you allowed yourself to be pruned. You allowed the Lord to say, you know what? I know you're comfortable here. I know it's easy here, but I have more for you. We're gonna take a step back. It's gonna feel like, know this. If you're a good person, no one likes to leave people they love. Can we just say that? If you like to leave people you love, I don't like you. <laughs> There's probably a whole lot of other people that share that sentiment. You know? But it's not easy leaving people you love. I remember when I, I remember there was a season in my life where I had to look my mom and dad in the face and say, mom, dad, I love you. God told me to leave your church. That one hurt. That was hard. On a couple of other occasions, I've had to do that with people. And I say, I love you, but the Lord's telling me to leave. The Lord's telling me to do something else. And I don't, just for the record, I don't even like, I don't like it either. I remember I, I was in Amarillo for a season and the Lord was stirring some things in my heart and uh, I, had a I got a specific word and it was, a, it was an odd word, but I knew exactly what it meant. And I heard the Lord clearly say to me one day, it's time to lighten your load. It's time to lighten your load. And when he, sell, and he said, lighten your load, I knew exactly what he was talking about. It was sell your bass boat. And I was like, uh-uh. <laughs> you lighten your load, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, I, I knew, I knew exactly what it meant. And um, I can joke about it now, but if I'm just being really honest with you and this is not trying to make me look so super spiritual, it actually wasn't hard. It really wasn't that hard because I had, had, I had allowed the Lord for other, in other seasons of my life to say, hey, I'm fixing to relocate some stuff. I'm fixing to change some stuff. And he was always faithful always faithful. And so I, re <laughs> I remember, I said, okay, Lord. Um, and if you're like me and have a problem in some of these areas, I mean, I was thousands and thousands of dollars worth of rods and reels and tackle and all this stuff in my boat. And um, so I, I, I took it all out, got all my rods, changed all the line, put brand new line, cleaned them up, got all my rod, all my tackle boxes, rearranged them. And I, I, um, I remember setting them all out like it was a garage sale. And I lined up all the rods on my garage door, all in order. And I lined all my tackle boxes up and I called one of my buddies and I said, hey, I need you to come by the house for a second. And he came over to the house and I, when he pulled up, he saw all that. He said, what are you doing? And I said, I got a word from the Lord and uh, that's all yours now. And he's like, no, 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 no. And I said, no, no. 
this is, this is between me and him, not me and you. I love you, but this is between me and him. And so I emptied it out and then I got the boat. I detailed it, waxed it. I mean, it was in immaculate condition and um, put it up for sale. A guy uh, made it, it was, I mean, I made some money on his great boat and uh, I remember driving. I remember this whole, so vividly because it, it pertains to Midland. I had been having a feeling that the Lord was sending me to the city of Midland to pastor here. And I didn't want to come to Midland for the record. Uh, I, I, was, I did not want that. And, but I had, I had been feeling the Lord say to me, um, I, I have an assignment for you there. I need to relocate you. I need to prune you. There's some things I need you to do. And um, I was driving that boat to take it to this guy who had just bought it. And I was having this dialogue with the Lord and my... I, I, it's my prayer, and so you'll, if your prayer is, is poetic and all these great, that's good for you, but I'm just not that poetic when I'm talking to the Lord. I'm like, I talk to him just like I am right now. I'm like, and I remember saying, I was like, okay, Lord, I ain't doing this. Like, I'm not gonna do this thing where, oh, I'm a youth pastor now, and I gotta go to Midland to be a senior pastor because that's what everybody does. You gotta work your way up the ladder. I have no desire to work my way up some ladder. Like, if I'm gonna go to Midland, if I... If I'm going to go to Midland, I want, it be, I want it to be because I have a heart for the people of Midland, not because it's the next right thing to do. It's the next promotion available. And I said, so if that's the case and I'm called to Midland, I need you to put in me a heart for the people of Midland. <laughs> and at that moment, driving my boat to somebody else's garage. The presence of God, the love of God, the manifest love of God showed up in my truck so strong that I could not keep myself from crying. Could not do it. So I had to pull over and just encounter the Lord for a minute and get myself together and move on. And that's not the only time the Lord's done something similar like that with me. I think, well, like you know, um, Fairly recently, the Lord called us to go to Lubbock, and that didn't feel good either. And I had kids that were coming up that had youth groups, and all their friends and all my friends were here. And I said, "Lord, how would you? How could this possibly be right how, to disconnect?" And we, you know, we had just we we moved before this building was even complete. I didn't even get to spend a season here enjoying this amazing building, and and, and there were all those things like that. And I. I had, I had to relocate my family and go to a different place in the middle of my daughter's high school, you know, sophomore, junior, and now coming into her senior year. And I knew that, hey, when you plant a church, it's not like you just have a youth group. She had a youth group here. She had a youth pastor here. She had friends here. And when you're, especially as a parent, anybody, in, when God begins to relocate you, oftentimes natural things will try to interfere with spiritual things. Natural sense We'll try to contradict spiritual sense. And that's when you're gonna to have to remind yourself, I don't walk by intellect. I don't walk because of ambition or edge. I walk by faith. I am hidden in him. I am found in him. Jesus is the source. He is the boss. He is the fine dresser. I trust he has a design for me, even though it may not look like it makes sense to my daughter, for my daughter, my oldest daughter at the time, it seemed to make no sense to move her. She went to three high schools in four years. But for a season, it was three high schools in three years. And nothing about that made sense. Everything about it caught, 
required faith. And now to get to look at what's happening in her life, in our life, on so many different levels, I'm so thankful that I allowed the vine dresser to say, hey, I'm gonna trim back some things and it's gonna hurt for a season, but you're gonna like it when I'm done. You're gonna like it when I'm done. We'll close with this. I, um, one of the, one of the, the times when it's hardest, and I think we would all agree, the times when it's hardest, hardest to continue to trust God and allow Him to be Lord of your life is when things aren't going the way you thought they were supposed to go. And I'll take it one step further, when things aren't even going according to the way the Scripture said they would go. Though, anybody else been in a season where you're like, okay, I'm doing the things I'm, I'm planting the seeds, but I'm not seeing the harvest that the, the scripture says I was supposed to see. I'm laying hands on the sick. I haven't seen them recover. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, the, the, most of us, we abandon, we don't abandon the Savior. We're too smart to do that. We don't abandon the Savior in those moments, but we do abandon the Lord sometimes. And we say, you know what? I'm glad that you're my savior, but I've been trying to make you my Lord and things are not going the way I thought they would go by following you. I, I, uh, one of my heroes, you hear me talk about him all the time, Bill Johnson, senior pastor of Redding, California. Uh, his, wife, his wife, Benny, uh, his, his wife, Benny died of cancer almost two weeks ago now. And if you know much about Bethel, their movement, what God's called them to do, they're the, they're the revivalists. They're the signs, wonders, miracles, healing movement. They've seen so many things happen. Bill Johnson has prayed for people and cancer has disappeared. He has prayed for people. Yet, not just his wife, but years ago, he lost his dad to cancer. And then two weeks ago, he lost his wife to cancer. And for me, those are moments when I'm just like, mm, <laughs> what the flip? Anybody else had those moments where you're like, okay, Lord, what the flip? He's okay. He told me I could say flip. I talked to him about it before I served. Cleared that one. It's like, come on, man, what the heck's going on here? And those are those moments when you're in this tension of like, ah, thoughts start running through your head. Why are we even doing this? Why are we even going after this? Why do I keep putting myself in positions to be disappointed? Anybody else? Be honest. It's like, why are we doing this over and over again? And I in typical Bill fashion, he preached, um, he preached the first Sunday after his wife passed away. Four days after his wife had passed away, he preached the Sunday service. And he made a statement, it impacted my life. I thought about just quoting it. Uh, and you can keep playing through this video. Um, I, I just wanted you to hear him say it. So I just wanna play you this clip. And again, this is Bill explaining, he was very transparent. He, almost didn't make it through the service multiple times, but this was him explaining some of the ways he was processing what had just happened. So I just wanna watch this clip just real quick. None of us would choose loss, pain, disappointment, any of that stuff. I get that. None of us would ever choose that for ourselves. We wouldn't choose this for, you know, your, your biggest enemy. I mean, it's just, you would just not, not do that. It's not something that any of us would gravitate towards. And yet, we, we don't have options at times. And so what am I gonna do? Yeah. 
Is God my friend? Yeah, but he was my Lord before he was my friend. And my friendship with God can only go where his lordship has already been. I can't go in a friendship with God where I haven't gone in lordship. When he said that, I just, I remember sitting there just listening to that, just being like, wow. And I, and I just was, I was trying to put in context what he was saying and, and this is what it meant to me. It may mean something different to you, but again, I watched the whole message. I watched him almost, and he's not one that usually completely loses it like that, but because um, only wussy preachers cry anyway. <laughs> but he, uh, what I saw in that moment was a man who had just had probably the great, and he said this, the greatest disappointment of my life. And I would imagine that if you were to ask him and say, Bill, if you could take away all the other times where you prayed for the sick, if you, take, if you could take away all those other times and maybe they didn't get well and your wife did, would you trade it? He would do it like that. And maybe rightfully so. But in that moment, I saw someone who was not ignoring the emotion, not acting like the emotion didn't exist, not acting like he wasn't disappointed, not acting like he wasn't confused. This is a, this is a spiritual giant. This is one of my heroes. And yet he acknowledged all these things can be true. I don't understand it. I'm disappointed. I'm brokenhearted. However, he is still Lord. And I'm not gonna change my opinion of him because one thing didn't go the way I thought it was gonna go. And I'm just gonna tell you, it's at those moments when you're disappointed the most, when you will have the most, um, you'll be tempted the most to say, you know what, I'm done. I, I believe in you, I know you're real, but getting my hopes up for things that your word says are true, it's too painful, it's too hard, it's too confusing. It's in those moments when you have to say, I take the emotion of pain, I take the emotion of confusion, I take the emotion of disappointment, and I even submit those motion, emotions to your Lordship. You are the boss, you are the vine dresser, I believe you have a plan, God works, according to scripture, God works all things together for good. He can't even, again, it's the thief that comes to kill, steal and destroy, not him. But even when there's death, when something's been stolen and something's been destroyed, because of his lordship, because he is the boss, he can turn those things for our good if we say, Lord, I submit this to you. I submit, I submit my frustration. And I, I'm gonna say this again because I feel like there's people in here dealing, dealing with this. Your frustration is not disappointing him. He's not sitting there looking at you going through your situation, going through what you're going through and going, wow, I can't believe you're not still trusting me. I can't, he is not disappointed. He's running to you in your confusion. He runs to you in your disappointment. He goes, look, I know you don't get this. If it was, if, and in this situation, I didn't do this. It's not my nature, it's not who I am, but I can redeem. I can redeem and I can renew. Thanks for listening. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. 
If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to RenewLifeChurch.com.